Advanced Principles Podcast, or APP, was created to be an outlet for like-minded individuals to share in the broader conversations on leadership, retail market updates, and incredible personal success stories. On APP, you will hear a collection of stories from the titans of the retail industry, as well as thought and practice leaders covering the spectrum of the economy. Please click the subscribe button and look for the newest episodes to be released. We're actually serving the data that the consumer wants to the consumer because we know what they're looking for and why they're looking for it. And it certainly sounds like a great opportunity for Client Command to continue to add value to the buyer's experience as well as the dealer's uh, market growth. We are about to see market share changes in this industry over the next three to four years like we haven't seen in several decades. Had no doubt going in, but they are exceeding every one of our dealer's expectations. Passionate and competitive, Jonathan Lucene loves the car business. Groomed in automotive retail, he founded Client Command in 1999 to deliver innovative, ahead-of-the-curve marketing solutions that help dealers win. Under his leadership, Client Command built the most advanced shopper identification in the industry to power omni-channel solutions that make shopper marketing possible in automotive. His commitment to delivering results has driven Client Command's hyper-growth patented technology innovation, and award-winning company culture. Jonathan spends his time investing in customers and employees to help them reach their full potential and making memories with his wife and three daughters. So obviously the pandemic has, has really brought on a lot of challenges to dealers. So as you indicated, some dealers were closed. They weren't allowed to operate. They weren't deemed essential. Um, how has the current market over the last 18 months uh, change your business model or what challenges has it brought to surface? Yeah, so um, it's been both good and bad. You've got dealers that have embraced it and have actually figured out how to increase their velocity of inventory turn. And for those dealers, we've been able to help them increase their trades by 19%. We've been able to help them increase their gross profit per car by 38%. And, and let me pause there for a second, Ryan. I don't mean over what they were making before because everybody in the country increased their gross profit yep. in the last 12 to 18 months, but certainly in the last three or four months, right? With the inventory shortage. Mm -hmm. I mean, when client command is influencing a sale on behalf of the dealer, Today, this month, those sales are grossing 38% more than the sales that aren't influenced by client community. Wow. So that's a huge number when you think about, hey, the only way I can actually make more money now because I'm making record gross profit is to find a way to either make more gross profit or to get more inventory so I can sell more cars. Yep. And client command is doing both of those. Uh, for dealers. So that's been really cool. And then it's opened up some opportunities in fixed ops revenue as well. And that's been good. Yeah. I, I think that, I think it's huge because you're right. Every dealer's got record profit, right? And and I think some are becoming a bit short-sighted thinking that this is a long, a long game and, and it is a cycle and the cycle will end at some point in time. But to be able to say, hey, we're, we're going to, we're able to add 38% on top of your record gross when we influence a sale, so talk a little bit about the components of that, because you brought in, obviously, a very important aspect right now, getting trades and then being yeah. able to resell those trades, because the easiest way for a dealer 
uh, to acquire inventories through the trading profits it's, it process. It's generally the most profitable way to acquire a vehicle. Um, then the additional gross is how are, how are dealers kind of reconciling with that through the lower inventory um, and then making the strategy to continue to plow ahead with an online presence in the marketing? Yeah, so if you're a dealer and you have a partner that's just going out and trolling for somebody in the market, they're not going to have any problem finding somebody in the market. They're, the Our active shopper network, which is proprietary to client command, but keeps a score on every American in terms of likelihood to buy. The number of customers likely to buy in the United States has increased 178% since January. Wow. It's insane. There are people out there everywhere. But does your partner actually know what they're currently driving, whether or not they would trade that, why they want a new car, and what kind of car they want? And can they connect that with your inventory, your dealership right now? If they can do that in real time, then that adds to your ability to actually get a good trade. It adds to your ability as a dealer then to go a step further and say, okay, I can increase my inventory by accessing these trades, which will increase my turn time, right? Because I'm, yep. I'm turning them, I'm connecting them to a new customer. You're bringing in a car to trade and the minute you trade it, I've got somebody else lined up. That's a great thing. Absolutely, no question. And it all adds to you being able to identify the customer um, put the customer uh, at the right store at the right vehicle, which I, I'm guessing is what leads to all of that. Or right? it's kind of the aggregate effect of all those components that really client command brings to the table. So I would also imagine that you know we had we had you know spits and spats of digital retailing prior to uh, the pandemic. It really took off. I think a lot of customers have returned to brick and mortar stores for a sense of community. But at some point, it's going to level off. Where you're right, there's no going to be no less digital retailing. Um, it's not going to take over the world tomorrow, but it is a growing uh, market segment. And how does that at-home buyer? How should the at-home buyer mentality influence a dealer's marketing decisions? So I think you hit on a couple of things right there, Ron. Can we break them apart? Yeah, the, absolutely. The, the first is, you know, there's dealers that kind of think it's, it's going to continue the way it has been. And to a degree, I think they're right. And to a degree, I think there's a, hey, wait a second, it's, it's going to be different tomorrow. Um, the only thing that's constant is change. Mm -hmm. Change is coming, right? Of some shape, form, or fashion. The question is, what change is coming? And I would not be a purveyor of doom for dealerships. I think that dealers are going to be in great stead for a while. But there's going to be a difference in dealers that take this opportunity to really engage with consumers and change their market presence and dealers that sit back and think that the dealership we had in 2019 is going to be the dealership we have in two years or three years. Mm -hmm. It's going to be different. You're right. Customers are coming back, which is sort of your second point of like, hey, they're, they're coming back. What will it look like in the future? Consumers know now I can go look for inventory on third party sites. But I can also go to Google and Facebook, which are pushing those things, inventory, way better than they ever have before. Yep. And so now I've got a whole bunch of places I can go. Notice I didn't say the dealer's website. They actually end up at the dealer's website last. It's at the end of the journey. 
And if you think about the change in the way consumers are going to buy cars, it's going to be what car do I want? Who has it for the price that, that I want it for? It's not going to be, hey, Ricky at my local dealer has served me so well. And I need a new car for my daughter. So let me call Ricky and ask him to go do some research for me. In the time it would take me to call Ricky, I can pick up my phone and I can go do the research myself. Yep, so right? true. And I'm not calling Ricky. And as much as I love Ricky, the at the end of the day, now I know what car uh, I'm looking at. Well, our dealers don't have a way to connect with that consumer and say, hey, I know they're shopping. I know they're shopping right now. And let me serve them my inventory. It's going to be a problem. Yeah, yeah. And if they do, if they say, not only will I serve them my inventory, but I'm going to serve them content that's relevant to their dominant buying motive. In the case of, I use the example of myself shopping for my daughter because I, I you happen to know, I am shopping for my daughter. <laughs> yep. I've got a 15 year old daughter and I'm looking for a car for her. And safety is my dominant buying motive. I do not care if she even likes the car. It could be pink polka dot for all I care. Uh, if it's safe, that's what I care about. You would not believe how difficult it is to actually go get that data. And I've talked to dealers. I've talked to OEMs. I mean, I, I happen to be in a fortunate position to know a few people in this industry. Yeah. And it's hard to get comparative data. Well, if a dealer can serve the consumer the data they want, oh my gosh, do they have a leg up? Talk about taking a time machine back to 1988 when I got in the car business and they said, hey, do all the research for me, right? Yep, they would absolutely. love to do that. And would a consumer be more likely to buy a car from that dealer? Yes, I believe they would. And so one of the things that Client Command's doing is we're actually serving the data that the consumer wants to the consumer because we know what they're looking for and why they're looking for it. And I think that's a huge advantage for the dealer. Yeah, it's almost like a concierge shopping service, which historically people have paid you know X amount above retail for, whether they go to a department store or a shoe fitter or a custom tailor shop, is you're really taking the customer true customer's wants and needs, what used to come out of the customer interview on the lot, and really then identifying the vehicle that is right for them based upon the needs. In your case, a school bus yellow, safety, high priority, high concern. Um, you, we would have exposed that during the customer interview uh, back in yesteryear. And now today it's got to be search words and what you're looking for. And I think that's serving up that relevant and making the customer feel heard, even though they're not communicating with anyone verbally, but feel have them feel heard is going to be very powerful. And it certainly sounds like a great opportunity for client command to continue to add value to the buyer's experience as well as the dealer's uh, market growth. And, and that's what I think consumers will be looking for tomorrow. Yep. No question. No question. So you, we've talked a lot about acquiring those new customers and, um, you know, someone buying a vehicle 2000 miles away and the likelihood of that service retention going away. And so in your opinion, what, what is more important to a dealer today, selling a, a customer or retaining a customer? Yeah. Can I answer both? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm going to tell you retention is, is the most important. The, the issue is right now, and I would have given you a different answer a year ago, a little okay. bit over a year ago, 15, 16 months ago. 
pre-COVID. But right now with all the changes, we are about to see market share changes in this industry over the next three to four years like we haven't seen in several decades. And you're gonna have dealers that are small that become big and dealers that are big that become small. And it's really gonna be based on how strategic are they in this moment. And so I think retention is a big piece of that strategy. It's how do I keep the customers I already have? Because let's face it, they are shopping elsewhere. Mm -hmm. if, if at one point in time, you know, 80% of your customers shopped elsewhere, but 20% were, they weren't even going to look elsewhere, right? Well, that's number is not the same anymore. It's more like 2% aren't going to look elsewhere because everybody's looking online. It's just too easy. Yeah, such a competitive landscape. So what kind of tools does Client Command have both on vehicle sales and then, you know, a program we'll spend a couple of minutes on that I'm incredibly excited about at the Service Alpha program, which we have now, I think, a handful of dealers or so on it that are just, the results are astounding. Had no doubt going in, but they are exceeding every one of our dealers' expectations. Um, certainly there's some conquest service sales going on in that, but also a big segment of that's just the retention and the ongoing marketing. So how does Client Command really help that dealer retain that customer and keep him glued to the store and establish loyalties in a world where loyalties are diminishing by the day? Yeah, they absolutely are. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to take our data and we're going to append it to your data, your private data as a dealer. It stays your private data. But we're going to append our active shopper network to your data and notify you as soon as your customers are shopping elsewhere. Well, huge advantage. Like now you know. Absolutely. <laughs> and you can actually do something about it if you choose to do something about it. Now we can automate marketing to them as well, which I highly recommend. But that's your choice as a dealer. Our marketing is all omni-channel. And what that means is based on the consumer's preferences and what they've shown a propensity to inter interact with, we are going to market them with digital channels, we're going to market to them with social, we're going to market to them with direct mail if it's appropriate, we're going to call them if they're call responders uh, from our call center. We're going to get as one-to-one -one with that customer as you can get on behalf of the dealer. And if you want to apply that same technology to people that have never been to the dealership and go conquest your competitor and take some market share, that's our specialty. We do that too. Wow. The, the next step is in your salesperson's daily work plan and their CRM, whether that be eLead or Socket or you know, whoever you use, we can push in the conversations that need to take place through our Sales Connect tool. And we can do that for Conquest customers. We can do that for customers that are maybe in your service drive that you have no idea are shopping for a car or people that have been in your database, they bought cars from you and they have a, at least mentally defected. They are not only shopping elsewhere, they are way down that rabbit trail. Mm -hmm. And we can tell your salesperson now's the time to actually speak with them. Yeah, it's in the dealers that we have on the program, we certainly have some dealers that allow client command to be passive. And it's just a program that runs in the background. They know it's influencing sales. They know it's helping them get trades. They know it's helping them grow their gross profit. Um, but they're good. They're good just with it running in the background and pushing out the ads. And then we have other dealers uh, where we work with the client command dealer ambassadors and the, and the store personnel where we are every day in that system, every day working the CRM, every, work, every day working the daily active shopper cards. 
And the results definitely speak. If you take an active interest in the client command technology and platform, and you're willing to go down a couple of those rabbit holes each and every single day, you are going to find a few more sales, even beyond what client command is going to help you influence just if it runs in the background. So I, I couldn't speak more uh, highly about taking that active interest and the value that your dealer ambassador team really helps us portray in the store. So uh, just a fantastic job there. Well, I, I would say, Ryan, that your team in the field adds so much value to the dealers that do business with ADS. It, I mean, you guys are there right alongside them, helping, helping them increase their PBR, helping them increase their number of sales, helping them increase their service business. You're the kind of partner, if I was a dealer, I would want a partner like you. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, we're, we're excited bringing all of these uh, entities together and, and provide a pretty value-based package. It's pretty cool. So where does the industry go from here? And, and how is Client Command going to continue to lead the way from technology and innovation? Um, I, I mentioned Service Alpha just a little bit. Anything else new that you can shed some light on and uh, exciting that's out there? Let, let's talk about Service Alpha for a second. Yeah. You know, over 70% of the ROs created are coming from Conquest customers that aren't, serve, aren't servicing at the store right now. So that's a huge number. Unbelievable. And, and the ROI dealers are seeing on our service program is over 35 to one. So it's, it's asinine. Um, and that's not a revenue number. That's actually a profit comparison. So it's, it's even higher than that on the, the revenue side. So it's super fun to watch that happen. And then we're going to continue connecting all the data that's available to the dealer's data, his private data, her private data, and making sure that they're actually able to leverage it to grow their business. Because what's going to happen over the next two to three years is that all of us are going to find ourselves running very different businesses, right? Inventory is going to come back to some degree. Yep. There's going to be some leveling out of supply and demand because there always is. It's a basic law of economics. Yep. That at some point that that will level out again and competition is going to be real. Mm -hmm. And some dealers are taking action on that right now. Those guys obviously have the advantage. Some dealers are, are waiting a little, a little time. We're working with the dealers that are taking action now. We will be working with the guys that are waiting a minute to leverage data to give them the ability to take more market share than they could do on their own. Wow. That, that's the direction we're headed. Yeah. Exciting times. I, I, I know that you guys will continue to push the envelope and deliver incredible results to our dealers and all the dealers that you work with across the country. So certainly you want to have uh, led client command to the point that it is. And I know you've surrounded yourself with a fantastic team, but there is a leader involved in all of this. And, you know, I know you have an incredibly competitive spirit. And um, um, during our conversation, you mentioned that you had previously been a competitive triathlete and uh so did a little research and i want to pull up a picture and i just want to talk to you a little bit about what's going through we're going to share this picture with our uh, our viewers here as well is at this moment um you know what's going through your mind tell us tell us kind of what where that is what's happening and and what what is that expression telling us um yeah so you said i'm gonna pull up a triathlon picture and I've got images of myself in spandex. Thank you very much. Ryan. <laughs> um, thanks for sharing that. So that was in Hawaii in 2014. And I was competing in the executive challenge at the Ironman World Championships. 
if you're not familiar with the race, it's a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike ride, and then a 26.2 mile run. That is less than a tenth of a mile from the finish line. In fact, you can see the carpet sort of started right behind me there. Oh, yeah, sure. Yep. And I realized I was going to win the executive challenge if I didn't just fall over in the, the next tenth of a mile. And it was a culmination of a multi-year journey for me and working to qualify, to get there, and then to race about, uh, about six weeks before that, I had pneumonia. Um, and I was really, really, really struggling to breathe over the last several miles of that run. Um, not in a like struggling to breathe like would be normal at that time, but I was struggling to, to breathe. I had a governor on my body for some reason. I just couldn't run any faster than I believe it was eight minutes a mile at the time. I don't know what it was, but I kept trying to push my heart rate up and it would not go up. So, and there was a guy right behind me that I'd been racing for several miles. And I realized, I think I got it. And it was the, this moment of like, yes, we're going we're gonna to do this thing. Wow. That's really cool. Well, congratulations. A huge compliment. I, 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 I'd imagine that you're in very rarefied air when you're the winner of the executive challenge of a full triathlon. Um, so a huge accomplishment. And I know um, it had to take hours and hours and months and years of training and dedication and discipline to do that on top of growing a company and continuing to build upon the culture and exceed dealers' expectations. So uh, extraordinary efforts and obviously result as well. So that's awesome. Thanks, Ron. Yeah. Now, I, I, I don't think I would be doing um, a, a service to you uh, to me or to our audience, if I didn't mention I, what I know of, of you as a big driving force, and that's your faith. And uh, your faith, obviously, it, it bleeds out. Uh, you know, you have a, a really cool symbol on your business card that you hand out to everybody, and I recognized it the day that I got it. Um, so talk to us a little bit about how your faith has led you through all of this and helped you through maybe some of the darker days and helped you stay humble, because you certainly are a humble individual, even though all that you've achieved is um, how important is faith and what role does it play in, in your life? Yeah, I appreciate you asking that. So I'm a Christ follower. I believe in Jesus Christ, I believe he was God's son and that a relationship with him is true life. That, that actually creates true life in us. Um, that governs my life every single day. It is the first thing I do in the morning is, is pray and uh, read scripture and I believe that that's why I'm here to help people reach their potential and if I were to go put more flesh on that it would be um, at least in part through a relationship with Jesus Christ so I also believe that I desperately need a sovereign God because I am <laughs> a messed up dude and um, I'm sure if we're all gut level honest we can probably say that Absolutely. Yeah. Vulnerability uh, uh, is a huge thing. And to be able to admit that, um, you know, none of us are infallible. None of us have, have reached perfection and never will. Um, and, you know, there's only one person that reached perfection and that's a consistent liar. Um, so it's really cool to see how faith has guided you and will continue to guide you throughout all the big decisions that you have faced and will continue to face. So um, that's been great. And thank you for sharing that. So 
So Jonathan, this has been fantastic. A ton of great information. Certainly Client Command uh, under your leadership and guidance has continued to grow and thrive. And I know that it will continue in the, in the future for many, many years and decades to come. Um, we've enjoyed the relationship as it continues to grow and evolve. And, and um, we have more joint relationships together. And the more we've gotten to know about you and your team and the company has just been fantastic. Uh, so thank you very much for coming on today. We are going to end with uh, five really fast and fun questions. Um, uh, these are just spontaneous answers. And uh, I know you have, you have lived in a couple different places, both which have deeply passionate followings, one being Texas, you referenced uh, being on the lot in San Antonio. Um, and you don't often take Texans out of Texas without having a piece of Texas stay with them. So it might be something geared towards that. Um, and now you're in Georgia, and Georgia obviously has a lot of true Southern roots and what their establishment is. So some of those questions might go from there. Are you ready for the Fast Five? No. Perfect. So being in Georgia, we can't go without asking you a question about peanuts. Peanuts are part of the culture in Georgia. So do you like them in shells, honey roasted, or boiled? Oh, roasted. Roasted. Sure. Perfect. In shells is great. <laughs> the baseball involved. Oh, that, yeah, absolutely. Shelled peanuts at a baseball game. Nothing like that. That speaks true to American summers. So in the triathlon, um, what, what discipline did you uh, prefer the most or hate the least is kind of, you know, how we'll, we'll gauge that. So the swim, the bike, or the run? The cycling for sure. I love, I loved it. Love cycling? Yeah. That's got to be a cool way to see Hawaii from the, uh, from the saddle on a bike like that. True. Yeah. Very cool. Okay, so speaking of a little Texas, a little Georgia, do you prefer Texas Hill Country or the North Georgia Mountains? Texas Hill Country. All day long, huh? No question? Yeah. You can't take the Texan out. That's kind of what I referenced. It's kind of what I thought. Um, now, I know you um, are a traveler. You're a global traveler. You've traveled extensively throughout your career and as, as well as personally. Your least favorite airport that you've been to and why? Um. Newark. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's kind of enough said right there, right? Just Newark. <laughs> no doubt. I Yes. Uh, good. No further explanation needed on that one. Um, so speaking of traveling, being a road warrior, as you've gone out, you've pitched the company, you've grown the company and all that. We all have some crazy travel stories along with nutrition, especially when you're an athlete, I can imagine. So what's the worst meal you've had to eat because of travel inconvenience or circumstances? So I have been, when I was really committed to nutrition, I was really dialed into my macro and micronutrients and could not get that, the proper nutrition balance in, in an airport. So for about eight hours, and this is back when I was eating eight, 10,000 calories a day, all I had to eat was chia seeds. And just start <laughs> off really small and they get really <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> so I felt like the Michelin man by the time I got to eat real food. Oh my gosh, that is unbelievable. That is definitely a good one. Not what I was expecting, but that is a really good one. Very cool. Well, that's it for the Fast Five. And Jonathan, thank you again. Um, this has been a great uh, interview. I've learned so much about you and Client Command in the industry. And I really appreciate your time and going through this. So thank you very much. Hey, Ron. Thanks for all you do, man. Good to chat yeah. with you. Absolutely, Jonathan. Have a great day. You too. All right, we'll see you. Hey, everybody. This is Michael from ADS. What an amazing experience it was having Jonathan on app. 
I believe he gave some great insights and tips for dealers on their marketing strategy. Next week, our special guest is Kellen Pagel, a former collegiate football and baseball player at the University of Massachusetts. He is currently a certified fitness professional, fitness nutrition specialist, and business owner. If his name sounds familiar, his father, Mike Pagel, was a quarterback for the Colts, Browns, and Rams in the 80s and early 90s. We look forward to speaking with him about creating a healthier, happier world from the inside and out. App is available through Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, YouTube, and our website. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button to be notified of the latest episodes.